Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Tech Couch, the podcast where we talk all things tech while sitting on a couch. Before we get into today's episode, I'd just like to plug our Patreon again for the millionth time. We have a Patreon now. If you head on over to patreon.com slash techcouch, you can become a patron and support the channel in more ways than just listening. We have a bunch of perks up there that will really make you feel like part of the family here. So you can head on over to patreon.com slash techcouch to get signed up there. Or you can just follow the links in the description to become a monthly donator and leave it at that. So let's go ahead and get right on into today's episode. This is Tech Couch. The main topic of today is going to be the new Pixel 4. Google has went ahead and released some footage or maybe just some demo of the new features on the Pixel 4 just being tested out in sort of a closed environment. You can't really see all that's going on in play, but you can get the basic gist of some of what is going on inside of the phone itself. The video shows a facial recognition system. That's right, the new Pixel 4 will have face unlock if you're into that sort of thing, so you can go ahead and hop on that. And it seems to be working as quickly as Apple's Face ID of in the video itself, but you're going to have to see some hands-on use before we can actually confirm that at all. And it says it won't require you to swipe up on the Pixel 4 to actually start using the Face Unlock, and you can just go ahead and do it straight from turning on the phone, which will be nice compared to the iPhone version where you have to go ahead and swipe up. And the phone can recognize when you're reaching for it, and it will open as you pick it up. So that would be a nice feature to have. Of course, these are all just speculations as of right now, because these are in blogs. These are not official statements from Google's, but just the leaks that we have been seeing so far. It's also going to have something different. LG has done something like this in the past, but it's going to be able to recognize your hand movements. That's right. If you want to maybe go back from tab to tab in Chrome, skip some songs. I don't really know what else you use it for. You can place your hand in front of the device and just kind of swipe away to the next tab or song, whichever you want to do. Google announced the radar-based technology all the way back in 2015, but this is the first time we've seen it in an actual consumer product, so they've probably been using this stuff before, just not something that we, the people, could get our hands on. And Google says it will allow you to skip songs, snooze alarms, silence phone calls, and all these capabilities are, quote, just the start. And for some reason, this feature is actually limited to select countries. I don't know why Google would go ahead and do that, but if you want something like this right now, you could go ahead and get an LG G8 because it has basically the same thing. And it is a bit clunky on the LG, so it's going to be interesting to see what Google will do with this type of implementation into their device, and it's going to be interesting to see. Now, in the past, we've talked about the giant bezel that's going to be on the Pixel 4. Google is notorious for butchering screens when it comes to things like screen size, bezels, notches. I mean, the Pixel 3 XL is just an obvious example of that, but it looks like we're going to get rid of the bottom bezel completely for the Pixel, but still have the top bezel, and Google says that's for good reason. And honestly, when you look at all the specs they're packing under it, it is kind of nice 
to maybe trade away some of that screen size for some of the specs you're going to get. You're going to have two face unlock IR cameras, which are basically going to make it so that the face unlock is nice and quick as long as the face is unlocked. Flood illuminator, a dot projector, and those will all in all make it so that the face unlock is super quick, super snappy, and you're not sitting around waiting for 20 minutes for your phone to unlock. It's going to have a front-facing camera. The megapixels are that are not specified, but you will have a front-facing camera, as well as the Sully radar chip that's basically going to be doing all of the hand motion gestures, and it's going to basically see everything that your hand is doing and correspond it into whatever app you're using, whether it be skipping songs or songs and phone calls or whatever you need to be doing with that, and as well as an audio port. So, all in all, it's going to have some nice specs up in that bezel. And whether you're a screen size person or a inside the phone type of person, I think the Pixel 4 will be a nice give and take if you're someone who likes both. But if you're one or the other, I don't think the Pixel 4 will be much for you. And as if you're concerned about Google storing all of your facial data, they do have an official statement that says the information will never leave your phone. I'm going to go ahead and quote Google on this. It says, Face Unlock uses facial recognition technology that is processed on your device so that the image data never leaves your phone. The images used for Face Unlock are never saved or shared with other Google services. To protect your privacy and security, your face data is securely stored in Pixel's Titan M security chip. Similarly, solely sensor data is also processed on your phone is never saved or shared with other Google services. So basically, if you're worried about getting your face stolen, like we talked about with the Face app or issue over there, Google's basically going to reassure you and say they don't upload it anywhere, they don't even have it on file, it's just going to stay on your phone in the security chip, as well as all your hand gestures, if you're worried about that getting out for some reason. And it's going to make sure that you are extra secure with all of your data, which is nice to see from Google, making sure that all of their customers are really safe and sound and making it so that there's no type of controversy with Google in the future. And not only is it good for you, the consumer, but it's good for Google, leaving all of the liabilities out of the table. And it's a bit of an unusual step for Google because they do rely on mounds of data from its customers in order to improve its AI, which is an ever-rapidly growing industry. I mean, it's hard to train AI if no one wants to give up their face. But it's nice to see that Google is going to be leaving your face alone. So, if implemented well, this could be very good for the Google Pixel 4, but... If it's something like the LG phones did with all those clinky, not very good, not very well done hand motions and stuff like that, then I have a feeling the Pixel 4 is going to be a bit of a flop. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with it in the upcoming future. And since that was a bit of a smaller main topic of today, I think we'll just go ahead and talk about one more pretty big thing. There is an official folding phone out there that you can go ahead and buy, and it's probably not something you've heard of. Stitch the Galaxy Fold, Ditch the Mate X, which you can buy right now is the Royale Flex Pie. The brand is Royal, and 
I had never heard of it until I saw this linking around the internet, and I thought it was a bit interesting. So the phone itself is a foldable phone, basically what you would expect, except the weird thing is it folds outwards, so the screen is going to be on the outside no matter what, even when it's folded. And <laughs> I think that's going to be a bit of a issue in the future with people buying these phones and they have a folded and the screen is on the outside. So if you put it in your pocket with like a quarter or something, what makes it so that the screen can fold is that it's going to be a very thin layer of plastic that's going to be the screen itself or some type of plastic. And so if you have a quarter in your pocket, maybe your keys in your pocket as well as the phone, that screen is going to get scratched up almost in an instant because it is a very, very thin layer and it's going to be a very, very unprotected layer. And what's even worse is that for the instructions of this phone, you're not allowed to put a screen protector on it for some reason. And so it's just going to make it so that you have to be very careful with this phone if you want to buy it. The price for the base 128 gig model is going to be $1,300. So about what you would expect from a affordable phone price point. Uh, the Galaxy Fold and the Mate X are going to be somewhere in that similar price range. If you want to double your storage and get a 256 gig version, that would be around $1,500, just a little bit under that. It can be folded from 0 to 180 degrees. It has a 7.8 inch screen. So as far as foldable phones go in this day and age, it's still going to be a pretty nice product. And what's really cool about this is you can open it, close it, and it will sense what, when it's folded, it'll sense what screen you're looking at because there'll be a screen on each side. And so you can flip from one to the other and maybe have multiple tabs open that you're working with at once. Or you can just open it up to one big screen and use it like that. It's going to have two quality cameras with 20 and 16 megapixels on each camera that can be bent to capture objects at unique angles. And incoming phone calls can be conveniently taken from either side of the phone, so you won't have to worry about just maybe flipping to one side really quick in order to answer the phone call. And it's something nice to see. Now, let it be noted that this phone is not going to have Android on it. It's going to be running something unique called Water OS, I'm assuming that it's been developed by Royale themselves, and it's probably going to be uniquely suited for this phone. It's probably a smart move on their part, rather than waiting for Android to be extremely well-oriented for the folding phone type spot. And so they just went ahead and made their own OS, which will probably either be really good in order for integrating it with the phone itself, or will be not as good and you probably just should wait for the Mate X or Galaxy Fold so you can run something a bit better like Android or the One UI, which is on the Galaxy Fold. So, FlexPi, it's a, it's a pretty nice-looking foldable phone, as all things go, but it's not near close to what the Galaxy Fold or the Mate X can perform with. And so, if you're looking to buy a folding phone in the near future, just wait on one of those. They'll be coming out in the coming months. I know that the Galaxy Fold has officially been reannounced to come out in September, which is going to be nice. They finally made up their mind on when they're going to release the new one after all of the development issues with the 
screen and the thing that they thought was a screen protector actually wasn't. So it's going to be nice to see what folding phones can do in the future and how the software and hardware alike is going to be integrated into that type of form factor where you can actually open and close it. Now, those were some interesting main topics in my opinion, but that's really all that I can talk about on those, considering the lack of information there is right now on the Pixel. So, I figured we'd move into some of the smaller topics of today. And one interesting thing that caught my eyes is that Android is now, unofficially, mind you, available for the Nintendo Switch. That is right, if you have the Nintendo Switch, and for some reason you feel like putting Android on it, you can go ahead and do that. So, this article is from Engadget. They have a lot of tech stuff on here. So, it's going to be interesting to see what they have to say about this. You no longer have to wonder when you can throw caution to the wind and install Android on your Nintendo Switch. Some XDA developers have released the first publicly available firmware for the Nintendo system. It's going to be an Android 8.1 based lineage OS combat for compatible models. I mean, Android on the Switch, it's pretty cool. I don't know how practical it is, but it's still pretty cool to mod up your Switch, put Android on it, and stuff like that. But considering it's an 8.1 version of Android, I don't know if it's really worth it to put on there. It's pretty buggy. It includes issues with battery rife, auto-rotation, and touchscreen interplay. But the core functionality of Android is there considering this was just released by XDA developers of all people, not Nintendo themselves, it's bound to have some bugs. And if you're looking to mod up your Switch and you don't really worry about maybe no longer having the actual functionality of the Switch anymore, then I guess you can head over to the XDA forums and put Android on there. Effectively, it's just a small tablet with controllers attached. You can browse the web, play 3D games, and otherwise use it like any other mobile device. It's even based on the Android tree associated with NVIDIA Shield TV, so you can play titles like Borderlands and Half-Life 2 on it, which, if you want to play those on the Switch, it'd be interesting to say the least. And with that said, it's a significant efficient achievement Sorry, in console modding. Well, you were allowed to install Linux on the PS3 at one point. This is just a bit different. You're just adding a mobile operating system with a library of apps and games just put onto the Nintendo Switch, and you could keep using it well after the novelty of the Switch itself wears off. So maybe in the future, if Nintendo ever releases a new console, and you just decided, hey, I don't need the Switch anymore, let's just put some Android on it, and that way you can use it like a phone, you can go ahead and do that, which is something cool to see. I don't know how many people would actually want to do it, but nonetheless, it's something a little bit interesting. Now, by a show of hands, even though I can't actually see your hands out there, who would want to have a wearable air conditioner? I know it's hot outside at times, but I've never actually thought to myself, geez, I wish I could wear an air conditioner right there. Well, it seems that Sony wants to build one. It's experimenting with its first light program, known as a crowd, known by crowdfunding as a wearable air conditioner, also called the Rion Pocket, that people could wear if they deal with high temperatures. According to a translated version of the website, because it is not in English, I mean, it's just in a different language, I don't really know why, but it just is. 
the device would reside in a pocket of a special t-shirt and use the Peltier effect to lower or raise a person's body temperature. So I'm assuming this would just use fans or something to suck out the hot air from inside the shirt. It could get stuffy in there and then pump it back out from the special shirt, maybe have some ventilation there up through the neck. So who really knows? Sony, I guess you could build a air conditioner in a t-shirt. I don't know how many people would actually want this, but I have a feeling there's a market out there for places where it's super hot, maybe Arizona, California, places like that, where you don't want to be sweating in your t-shirt every five seconds. So maybe having a wearable air conditioner would be something nice to have. Personally, I don't think I'd use it, but it's hats off to Sony for thinking outside the box and something original in this day and age where everything's basically being copied by another company. Okay, I think we're going to have time for maybe two more small stories for today. And so let's just go ahead and roll right into them. TikTok, of all people. The owner, ByteDance, I don't know if that's a company or the actual name of a person. I hope it's not the name of a person, so I'm just going to assume it's the company, is getting into the phone business of all things. An app for teenagers is getting into the phone business? I saw this and it blew my mind. I had to immediately check out the article to see what actually was going on. According to reports, earlier today, ByteDance announced that as a continuation of the previous deal with the Chinese smartphone manufacturer Smartisan, they will follow up on their plans to develop its own handset, which has apparently been in development for around seven months. So, if you use TikTok, and for some reason, you want to buy a TikTok phone, I don't know who this is targeted at. I don't really know who asked for this in the first place, but TikTok phone, I guess it's coming. I don't know what the price point will be. I don't even know what the specs will be able to offer with all of the flagships coming out with the new ROG Pro. It has an 855 Plus processor, so it's going to be very interesting to see. I don't know if interesting is the right word or just more funny to see what TikTok's going to do with their smartphone, of all things. I'm just going to quote from ByteDance. This is an official statement on the whole thing. Reports of our smartphone development strictly refer to the continuation of plans that were in place before ByteDance began working with Smartisan. The product has no connection with TikTok, and the focus is on meeting the needs of Smartisan's existing customer base. So, there you have it. TikTok wants to build a phone. They're claiming it's not going to have any connection with TikTok, although I have a feeling that they're going to sneak something in there in order to correlate the two things. And I guess if you're a Smartisan user, that's not a big thing in the U.S., but maybe in other countries, Smartisan is a household name. I guess you could get a TikTok phone soon. So be on the lookout for that. If anybody sees these out in public, email me at techcouchofficial at gmail.com. I'd really like to see what this is, and I'd definitely be looking more into it during the future. And the last smaller story of today is going to be, is Siri always listening to you? Since the beginning of smart devices, I think people have always been very concerned on whether or not their speakers or AIs were listening to them. Turns out that Siri actually is. Apple has actually responded to this by saying that workers can actually listen in 
on your whatever you say to Siri in order to improve what she hears and how she responds to your actual question. So they claim they're making it so that they can do it the best possible way and so that Siri can be the most efficient AI that it can be, which is probably the truth. I mean, for all those conspiracy theorists out there who will say that it's not, I, I highly doubt it. I doubt Apple would actually want to listen in on anything that you actually say to Siri besides actually making it so that they can improve their AI themselves. It said that Siri has listened to multiple things, whether it be drug deals or just medical information or weird stuff like that. So the fact that you can actually say that stuff around your phone and that Siri will pick it up is a bit concerning, but Apple has also stated that less than 1% of the daily Siri utterances are actually used in order to improve the AI. It says that Siri responses are analyzed in secure facilities, and our reviewers are under obligation to adhere to Apple's strict confidentiality requirements. So even though a select amount of people are actually listening to what you say to Siri, and it might not even be you, it might be other people, it's not going to get out, and it's not going to be used against you. So even though Siri is listening, it's not going to hurt you or anybody around you, and it's just going to be used to improve Siri's AI, which I think most people have come to grips with. It's something that's probably in the terms of services with Apple's interface or community somewhere that we just haven't bothered to read it, but it's probably in there, and you probably already signed it, so it's there's really probably nothing you can do anyways. Alright, that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope there was something for everybody to enjoy. And I'm just going to go ahead and roll the sponsored clip since this is the end and you're probably not even listening anymore. So, roll it. Alright, once again, if you want to become a supporter of this podcast, head over to patreon.com slash techcouch. Follow the socials, Instagram, techcouchofficial. You can head on over on Twitter and follow us there at couch underscore tech. Or you can just go ahead and shoot us an email for any stories or anything we want me to cover in the future, or maybe just any questions you have on tech at techcouchofficial at gmail.com. Just shoot emails on over there, and I'll be sure to reply. And that's going to have to do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening, and once again, this is Tech Couch.